0: Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Men, as always, I want to thank you for taking some time and tuning into today's show. Guys, we're going to jump right into it. We're talking about men and And the church, men getting involved in the church. We see statistics all the time that say if you get the dad, you get the rest of the house. We see uh, all the statistics about men involved in the church, how many churches are closing on a regular basis, how many pastors are burning out all the time. We definitely have a man problem when it comes to the church. And every time that I do content about men and church, I always get at least a couple individuals I don't know why, at least a couple individuals, so this might be you, who have this pushback uh, against me or against this idea of the church. And the phrase I hear goes something like this. So just ask yourself, have I ever said this? Have I ever heard this? Have I ever felt this? Okay, It's like this. I don't need a man-made institution with flawed people telling me what to do. They're hypocrites, and I can be just as good of a Christian without going to church. You ever thought something like that? I hear that probably a couple times a year, especially within the pursuit of manliness when I talk about men and the church, right? So let's unpack that statement. I'm going to unpack that statement, and then I'm going to get into five points why I think that you need to be involved and invested in your church. Now listen, This what I'm going to talk about uh, is designed to be an encouragement. It's not a rebuke, okay? But I'm going to talk to you like a man. I'm going to talk to you like man to man here. We're going to get really real about men and the church. Now, I know for some of you guys, if you're you know anti-church or you don't go to church, and I'm going to probably address a couple things here that maybe resonate with you, I'm not going to talk you into church. I know that, and that's not my intent by any means. What I want you to do is think about um, what the church could do for you and what you could do for the church? Because it goes both ways. The church is quite an opportunity for us, but we also have a tremendous opportunity to give back. So let's start with that statement. I don't need a man-made institution with flawed people telling me what to do. They're hypocrites, and I can be just as good of a Christian without going to church. Is it man-made? No, it's it's not man made, right? We we wrestle with this idea of man made or made by men. The church is not man made. It's it's it, Christ died for the church, right? He uh, Ephesians chapter five verse twenty five says, "Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her." How did Jesus give himself up for the the church? He died for the church, right? So, is it uh, man made? No. Was it made by men? Were there a group of men, group of people that created roadside Christian church? Yeah. And what we're doing here is really talking semantics, okay? The establishment of the church is through Christ Jesus. The building at the particular address that you're thinking of or the one that you may or may not have had a good experience with, Yeah, those were dudes. Those were guys. Those were families. Those were people who in a basement or in a garage or somewhere said, you know what? We should plant a church. We should establish a church. Every church that you're going to see on any uh, corner of any town uh, has that start, okay? So they're they're all with that, but we wrestle with this idea. We don't want it to be man-made, man-made. I want you to think about, just for a moment, all the things that you are involved in that are man-made. You send your kids to school. Some of you are getting a degree or second degree or third degree, whatever. And those ideas are man-made. Yet you'll send countless amounts of money to those places and and they're man-made. You put your money in a bank. uh, You give your time to, you know, you go eat at a restaurant. All those things are man-made. For some of you guys, you will drive all across God's creation, sitting in really uncomfortable Camping chairs, eating fruit snacks, and drinking Gatorade, watching your children or your kids or your teenagers or young adults play on the best traveling team that you can get them on. Guys, that's man-made. Like That was a a man-centric sport event calendar, and yet you will give and give and give, and you will spend your entire summer break driving your kids and fall break and spring, just driving them all, but that's man-made. But there's something about the church that we feel like we can have this pushback against us, right? Like, so if you don't pay your house payment, what happens? The bank comes and takes your house. If you don't go to church, what happens? Well, on the surface, nothing. So we can say, well, I don't need that man-made institution with a bunch of flawed people, right? They're flawed people. They're hypocrites. They think they're holier than thou. Listen, I'm going to confess. Yeah, uh, Christians are hypocrites. Uh, but so are non-Christians, right? We, we say some things and we do other things and uh, that's not typically our intent. I know that I've been very hypocritical on things at times and that was not my intent. I didn't set out to go, you know what, wait till I really ruin my witness about this. I can't wait to blow it on how people see Jesus through my life. That was, that was not the plan at all. We're all flawed people. You, know, you got these guys that you play fancy football with. Uh, they're a bunch of they're a bunch of jagwagons, right? They're they're more concerned with trading running backs for quarterbacks and what. But those are your guys, those are your friends, and they're flawed people and they're hypocritical. You got you got people in your life who are jumping from job to job or who have no work ethic or or who waste a ton of. money. Those are flawed people. But again, we look at the church and we say they should be perfect, and because they're not perfect, then that gives me an excuse to um, not go. I want you to know this: when you get to the end of your life. You don't measure yourself against another individual. You actually measure yourself against God's holiness. And the only way that you obtain God's holiness is through Jesus Christ. Do you need the church to know Jesus? No, but the church will help you know Jesus. And we're going to get into more of those details in those five points. Um, One of the things I hear guys say all the time is I can be just as good of a Christian without going to church. I can be just as good. As if you're having this incredible worship service with you and your family all the time. And if you are, God bless you. And I know there's some of you probably listening going, I do, and I, I whatever. Listen, Christ died for the church. And, and, and yes, I know the argument that the church is not a building, right? We are the church everywhere we go. I hear that all the time. We're the church. I can be the church at my house. I can be the church at the bar. I can be the church in the garage. Are you being the church? Because the church's mission is Matthew 28, 19-20 that we're to go into all the world taking the good news to everybody, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Are you, are you being the church? Because typically what I find is one or two things happen with people who push back against the church as this man-made establishment with a, a room full of hypocrites. The first thing I find is this, that you turn into Lloyd Legalist here, right? Like you study the scriptures and you can win any Bible Bowl debate and you love to get on Reddit and Twitter and these other places and you love to have arguments about the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, but you don't love people well. You just love knowledge well. You just love theology well. Um, remember that even the demons had incredible doctrine, incredible theology. They just, didn't, they just didn't apply it. And so sometimes that happens. Or I see this where you left the church, you're mad at the church. I don't like the church. I'm tired of the programming. I'm tired of the uh, commercialism. Right? We'll do that. You know, I'm tired of the commercialism. We've lost our way. We lost our focus. And then in a few weeks, you have like a room full of people at your house who are just like you. They look like you. They talk like you. They're in the same season like you. Just be honest. You wanted a church of people like you. That's what you wanted. And when you went to church and found out that not everybody was like you, that made you nervous. And so you left. And so you started your own mini church in your garage or your basement or in your barn or wherever that you're meeting that you ignored all that opportunity for community. Listen, the church has so much to offer every single one of us, but You have so much to offer the church. And I know there are people listening to this podcast and there are are guys who are watching this video. And listen, I'm telling you, as a man who's been in ministry a long time, the church can be a really rough place at times. As as a staff member, as a pastor, the church is a really hard place on pastors. I don't remember the number, but the number of pastors that leave the ministry um, every month is unbelievable. The burnout rate is ridiculous for pastors. And we'll get into more of that in a minute, but you have things to offer your church. Stay there, get involved, get invested, pray for your church, have a presence within the church. Listen, I just want to say it as honest as I can. If you're a man, please do not make your pastor beg you to go to church or get involved. You're a man. Some of you guys will go to, as, as I said, every travel team, you'll coach, you'll ref. You'll drive players. You keep score. You you will give everything you have to this 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 team. And I love sports, but at the end of my life, my kids are going to give an account for their life, and I'm going to give an account for partially for their life as well. And I have to say, I did. I have to say, I did my absolute best to make sure they knew Jesus. And the church plays. role in that. Yes, you've been a part of churches that have hurt you. You've been a part of churches that people have been very hypocritical. I'm sure you've been a part of churches all they wanted was your money. I'm sure you've been a part of churches that um, were backstabbing or very small minded. And listen, I'll say this. there's, There's a lot of messiness in churches, but first of all, find a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you find a church and you're a part of it and it does not preach Jesus, you're not in a church. You're in some kind of social gathering. You're in a social justice movement. If you find a church that's not preaching the grace and truth and the life-giving salvation that is Jesus Christ, you're not in a church. You need to find another place to worship. You need to find another place to get involved and invested. And if your church is making you uncomfortable by what they preach and they are preaching Jesus, you definitely need to stay there. Because that means the Holy Spirit's trying to, to teach you something and stretch you and grow you. For some reason, as men, we don't like to be told what to do. We, we don't. Ever since we took a bite of fruit back in the garden, no man likes to be told what to do. And so we have this idea when I go to church that they're just telling me what to do and, and they're no better than I am. Listen, this is not, again, this is not a measuring contest of who's better and who's not better. This is about, can this environment help me know Jesus? Can it help me help the people who need to know Jesus in my life? Can it help them? And can I be a... a an active participant within the kingdom of heaven. Because, listen, it's not about fire insurance and keeping your tail out of hell. It's about do you know Jesus and are you living on mission for him. So here, let me give you these five things why I think you need to at least think about your involvement and your investment and commitment to your church. The one is to assure ourselves. Now, we don't join a church or be a part of a church, whatever, to get saved. Okay, so if you come to our church and want we'll to be a part of our church, um, I want to know that you've been immersed into Christ, that you've repented of your sins, you've been immersed into Christ, and that we're, we're tracking with our, our statement of faith. This is what we believe. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. And we have several points that we say, these are really mission critical. We'll say, is something a salvation issue or not? There are certain things that are salvation issues. So we'll say, these are the points. Are you, are you on mission with us if you are? And we'd love to have you be a part of this, this body. And if not, well then Please stay. And let's keep learning and growing together. So, you don't go to a church to be saved, okay? But going to a church and being committed to a church might help you understand salvation. There's a chance that some of you, myself included at times, have grown up believing one thing and realized, wait a minute, Graham Graham was misleading me on that. Like that, that's not at all what that scripture says. You know what? My Sunday school teacher in the third grade taught me that. Everybody goes to heaven if they just raise their hand and check a box and fill out a card. Everybody got to go to heaven. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. Some, that's called available light. And when you get around churches that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, you get around available light. The Holy Spirit is constantly molding you and shaping you and, and making you more into the image of Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus' own words in John 14, 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That if you have his commandments and you keep them, are you keeping Christ's commandments? And it is your responsibility to know what they are. We don't get to plead ignorance. Well, as long as I don't go to church, and as long as I don't read the Bible... I won't know what's in there, and then I kind of get... A, that, that, that you don't get a pass. You don't get a pass. John 13, 17 says, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. As I said earlier, the demons had incredible theology. They just had no submission to Christ, right? They, 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 that Jesus was not going to be their Lord and Savior. That, blessed are you if you, you do them. A church uh, helps you apply these things. Listen... It is easy to fool ourselves and thinking we are a Christian just because we made a one-time tearful decision, raised our hand, checked a box, got a free T-shirt, came forward and joined a church. I must be in. I must be saved. Listen, there's a lot more to dying to yourself every day and taking up your cross than than doing that. There's a lot more involved in that, and you could have attended a church for years, and that doesn't make you any more of a Christian than. Somebody who's skipped this weekend. It's not about the attendance. It's about the worship. It's about the giving back. It's about uh, the engagement. That getting better around the men and women of God. I I could go to an Italian restaurant once a week that will never make me an Italian. That makes me a connoisseur of Italian food. The same way there's a lot of people going to church all the time who don't know Christ. They're just being around Christ and they're just consuming religion. And they've convinced themselves that just by mere attendance alone, then I must be saved. Again, that's not what the scriptures tell us. Judas was around Jesus all the time. He was around Christ. He wasn't in Christ. There's a difference between being around Christ and actually being in Christ. When you are in Christ, fruit comes from your life. People see the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life because you are in Christ Jesus. One of the things we have to ask ourselves is do I understand that following Christ fundamentally involves how I treat other people? In particular, those in the body of Christ. So you can look around and see, well, he's a hypocrite and she doesn't do what she's supposed to do and I bet they don't even tithe and they, and they don't serve and they don't. You're better together. You go there prepared to worship and engage. Uh, with the living God. I want you to hear this. Church membership does not save, but it is a reflection of salvation. Being involved in a church does not save you, but it is a reflection of salvation. Number two, evangelize the, the lost world. Once again, Matthew 28, 19-20 says that we're to go into all the world. And I want to ask you, you guys who, who don't go to church. That's not your thing. Are you going into all the world with the good news of Jesus Christ? Are you leveraging your resources and your energy and your creativity and your prayers and your time to make sure the good news gets to lost people? Or is this some kind of private faith, this bunker down mentality that it's me, it's private, I keep it to myself, I don't need those people, I'm fine the way I am? Listen, you will never, ever find that in the pages of scripture. You'll never find that. The church helps us leverage those opportunities to evangelize the lost world. Whether it's you tithing to missions. Well, I can give to anybody. I can give to that pastor online. I can send my money to all these mission organizations. You, you absolutely can do that. One of the things I would like to encourage you with is this. Why are you making it as hard as possible to be a part of the body of God here on earth? What do you think you're going to do when you get to heaven? Why are you doing everything in your power to avoid uh, the body of God right now? What do you think heaven's going to be like? You're going to be shocked by the people you're going to meet. You're going to find out it it wasn't just you. You're going to find out that there were a lot of people growing in a lot of different ways and you missed a lot of opportunities. As imperfect as we are, God's Spirit is genuinely at work in us and He helps use our lives to demonstrate His truth to other people through the gospel. And again, when you think about church, and when you think about going there, and you think about getting involved in there, you never know who's going to show up like this weekend and maybe sit by you. Someone that might, be, that might change your life, that might change your legacy, or you might change their life or legacy just because you showed up and a conversation takes place. God knows absolutely everybody. He might just bring somebody through the doors of that, that building that you're like, I'm so thankful I came this weekend. I'm so thankful my kids got to meet those people. I'm so thankful that our families now understand that we live so close. What an opportunity that God can place in front of you every every weekend. Number three, to expose false gospels. Are you aware of what a false gospel is? As we interact with one another, we are able to dispel the notion that Christians are all uh, nauseatingly self-righteous people who are just looking for someone that's having fun and trying to squelch their fun. Listen, we are to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're a conduit for the gospel. The gospel came to you because it's intended to go on to somebody else. But can you dispel, can you call out, can you identify a false gospel? If Paul had to do it in his day, how much more so do we have to do it in our day? Churches are folding right and left like wet noodles on hot button issues. Women in ministry, what do we do with that? LBGTQ, what do do we do with that? Who who does Christ, does Christ accept everybody? Is he the guy who sits on a hill and and pats little kids on the head or is he the guy that flips tables over? I I got news for you, he's absolutely both. And Christ will call you absolutely right where you're at, but he refuses to leave you that way. When the call was made to the disciples, it was, come follow me. And as they came and followed him, they learned about the life-giving gospel that changes you. It's not that we change so more people, it's that the gospel will change you. The gospel is what makes you different. The gospel is what sets you apart. It's not that you're better than somebody else, it's that you are redeemed. You might be frustrated that your Christian friends won't sit around and drink beers with you and tell stories about chasing girls anymore. It's because they don't want to fly, fly, fly the flag of their sinful past. Like, that's not them anymore. Well, they think they're better than me. No, they're redeemed. It's different. And when you're different, it should be noticeable. And other people should notice a difference. And you have to ask yourself when it comes to false gospels and the idea of, did God really say, are you trying to please man or are you trying to please God? Because pleasing man has never paid off for anybody in the long run. And it certainly has never paid off anybody when it comes to the the greater scope of eternity. So as a church, we need to be stronger together. That because we're dealing with all these issues, we're better, we're stronger, because we're going to proclaim the accurate truth of Jesus and it will give you some resources. It will give you some opportunity to be stronger in your faith. You're weaker by yourself. It's like a flashlight in a really dark room. One flashlight's not going to do much. But a room full of flashlights, that changes the whole landscape. And that's what happens when you get together with other men and women who are stronger together, who are better together, who are growing in Christ. You change the landscape, not just of your life, not just of your home, not just of the homes of the people represented in your church, but in your community, that your community is going to take notice Your community might be pushing you on certain issues right now or or trying to influence you to cave on certain things. You take a stand and boldly proclaim Jesus, they'll take notice. Bigger, stronger, more influential people than them have taken notice throughout the history of the world when people have taken a stand for Jesus Christ. Number four is to edify the church, to build up the church. We build up believers. Uh, Joining a church really helps counter this individualism. It's not about you anymore. I mean, the person in the nursery that held your baby that you didn't want to hold while he or she was crying and probably changed a diaper while you were in service and stuff, it's truly not about them. The people that go on these youth trips and they spend the night and they they give up their money and they give up their time and they sleep on crummy floors in really hot rooms. I've done that for years. It ain't about them, I promise you that. Your pastor that's proclaiming the gospel week in and week out, it it ain't about him, I can promise you that. I'll tell you, this is a pastor... One of the ways you build up the church is encourage your pastor. And I don't mean by like monetary gifts. I just talk about being there one, being present, adding value. But how often do people want their pastor to know how's it going? How's your daughter? How's your school? How's your job? How's your work? How's your stub toe? How's your anniversary? How's your birthday? How's grandpa doing? How's your dog? How's your how often do you ask your pastor how he is really doing? How often do you stop and really get to know them? And listen, I've been in churches for a long time, different sizes, mega churches and small churches. And it's a weird, lonely road to be in ministry. And it's even weirder and lonelier to be the pastor's wife. Most people don't think of that. Most people think the pastor's wife thinks she's Beth Moore. Or something. My, my wife is a pastor's wife. She doesn't think she's Beth Moore. Um, because nobody knows what they can really share, trust, whatever. And um, it's really unique because your pastor's throwing out the... Listen, pastors aren't leaving the ministry because they're burned out by the gospel. The gospel is life-giving. You know, Jesus talked about the four soils. Listen, what we need to do is is prepare that soil and, and preach an accurate gospel. The, the ministry's draining... Because it requires people who may or may not show up. Who may or may not tithe. Who may or may not like, get involved in ministry. Who may or may not jump to another church that has better programming. Who may or may not, I don't know, uh, say something positive or negative or really divisive on social media. Who may or may not write letters about the pastor or ministries. This happens all the time. All the time. And to protect the church, the pastor can't stand up there and go, This person's bad. Here's what they did. I, I, I wish we could. I think it'd be fun sometimes. You edify the church. Men. Don't make your pastor beg you to be a man of presence in your church. And showing up, drinking a free cup of coffee and taking advantage of childcare is not edifying the church. And it's certainly not edifying to the pastor at all. Commit to the church, commit to a local body of people, and it will help you at times. Oftentimes, the pastor gets to hear from like guys his age and friends his age when they're going through some garbage. Hey man, I know it's late. Sorry to bother you, man. Hey man, I just got to... Where were we when things were good? Where were we? Where were we on, you know, when when all the boys are hanging out? The boys don't want to hang out with the pastor because the pastor is going to. Listen, this happens all the time, all the time, man. Edify the church, add value to the church, pray for the church, commit to the church. Good times, bad times, times of plenty, and lean seasons as well. Work through that. Do it based on the Word of God. Number five. Glorify God. It's crazy that we even have to say this, but the church is not about us. It is about glorifying God. We do it individually and we do it collectively as a church body. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Paul, Peter reminds us, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You are better with one another seems like what Peter remembered Jesus teaching when he said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. On your own, it is exhausting. On your own, it's exhausting. You're better with others. And I know a lot of times men will say, I need a men's group. We don't have a men's group. We blame our lack of commitment on no men's group. One of the manliest things you can do sometimes is get in a group with your wife. Hold her hand in one hand and hold the Bible in the other hand and learn together. That may be the best thing you need for your marriage. And then you don't have to ask someone about a devotional. You don't have to ask someone about marriage counseling because you've done preventative maintenance. That we can be better and stronger together doing life with one another. Our lives are to mark us as that we are gods and we are set apart from Him. I love what Jesus said Matthew 16, 18. He says, I tell you, you are Peter. This is what Peter said just a minute ago. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus was ultimately committed to and focused on and driven by the church. Should we be any less committed, focused, and driven for the church? Jesus had ultimate sacrificial love for the church. So do you, should you and I have any less of a love for the church? I want you to think about that. I mean, that's, a, that's it for me. My name is Jarrett. Once again, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you, if you're watching this video, click the bell at the top, click subscribe, never miss any pursuit of manliness video content. While you're here, would you like the video and leave a comment? So subscribe, like, leave a comment, man. It allows other guys to see what resonated with you and it allows me to see it as well. If you're listening to this audio, would you click subscribe and leave feedback, leave a review. Uh, when you leave a review, I get to see them. And it's encouraging, man, because I, I get to see how this resonates with you. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, they're all at Pursue Manliness. And then Facebook, we have a closed Facebook group. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Pursue So, men, thanks for listening, and let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.